We tend to judge others by their words and actions, but we expect to be judged by our intent, and we rarely give others the benefit of the doubt. Of course, there are people with bad intentions, and our intentions aren't always wholesome, but it's up to God to do the judging. The Lord can see our hearts, so nothing can hide those dark deeds from God. Our judgment is clouded by many things, and we all have blind spots, which is all the more reason to leave the judging to God. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the fourth Sunday of Lent, Cycle A of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the fourth Sunday of Lent, Cycle A. Our first reading is from 1 Samuel, it's chapter 16, verses 1b, 6 through 7, and 10 through 13a. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and it's chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. And our gospel reading is from John, it's chapter 9, verses 1, 6 through 9, 13 through 17, and 34 through 38. So just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. First Samuel is from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Ephesians is from the New Testament or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Tonight we'll see that the last and youngest shall be first, the shameful will be exposed, and the blind will see. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from 1 Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. 
So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And our Gospel reading is from John. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But the others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the book, of, or the first book of Samuel. And in this reading from 1 Samuel, we saw Samuel being sent to find the person God had chosen to be king. But when he arrived at Bethlehem and, and he saw Jesse's son, Eliab, God quickly set him straight. 
<laughs> the Lord told Samuel to stop considering the outward appearance, right? How, how the young man looked, how tall or strong or handsome he was, because God doesn't judge people that way. God sees differently than we do. God looks at a person's heart. Obviously, Jesse himself didn't see the way the Lord sees because he, he completely overlooked his youngest son and left him out in the field tending the sheep. Yeah, I'm sure he assumed the Lord would select one of his older sons to be king, and not his youngest, the boy David. Now, the reading did say that David was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. So yeah, he was a good-looking kid, but he still didn't have the outward appearance of the, the makings of a king. But again, God didn't look at those outward appearances when he chose David. He also didn't look at his experience. He was, wasn't worried about what David had already done. God chose David because of the great potential that God saw within him. And when Samuel anointed David in the presence of his brothers, we read that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, anointed with oil and filled with the Holy Spirit. That sounds a lot like confirmation, the sacrament that the RCIA candidates will receive at the Easter vigil in a few weeks. Anyway, the main message I got from our first reading is that we can't see the heart of a person, but God can. Study after study shows that most Americans, men and women alike, see tall men as being leaders. Tall and lean or muscular men are assumed to be more competent. Now you throw in a charming smile and dashing good looks, and we assume, oh, he's extremely successful and, and worthy of being followed. It's easy to succumb to these cultural biases, especially since we can't see into a person's heart. Luckily, God can. So God doesn't call people because of how they look on the outside or, or even what they've accomplished in their lives. God looks for potential and for what motivates them from within. So no, we can't see the heart of a person, but God can. Our second reading was from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And in this reading, St. Paul was speaking like a teacher. He was giving a bit of a lecture, telling the, the Christians in Ephesus to straighten up and choose the right path. Paul wrote, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He seemed to be acknowledging the fact that yeah, they were sinners, but now they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and they need to choose a better way. Oh, he also wrote, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, for those of us who live in a time where the Catholic Church has been rocked by a, a large and pervasive sex abuse scandal, this message should strike a nerve. How many clergy were committing fruitless deeds of darkness? And how many more refused to expose them to the light? Those who were involved in covering up those crimes and abuses, 
they weren't doing what St. Paul told them to do. They were complicit. They, they were involved. But they should have had nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness other than to expose them and shine the light of Christ on those horrible sins. St. Paul understood that God sees all things, even those things that are done in darkness and, and kept hidden from the light. Our job, our calling, is to shine a light on those things. Our, our call is to illuminate those deeds of darkness and let the light of Christ turn them into the light. It's a good lesson for all of us. If we find ourselves doing things that eh, we feel the need to hide or even keep quiet, then we're probably making a poor choice. So let's follow St. Paul's advice and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. And all those evil things people do might eventually become known if we help illuminate that darkness. So the main message I got from our second reading is that no amount of secrecy or darkness can hide our deeds from the Lord. Uh, yes, you might be able to hide your dark deeds from others, or you, you might be able to lie them away or, or simply deny having done them, like so many of our U.S. politicians seem to do today. But regardless of how closely you guard your dirty little secrets or how successful you are at distracting others so they aren't focused on you, the simple fact is that no amount of secrecy or darkness can hide our deeds from the Lord. And finally, our gospel reading was from John. And this story, which is another very well-known tale, isn't just about the miracle of making the blind man see. Yes, the story is about seeing, but the poor beggar wasn't the only one who was blind. Now, I, I read the short version for you, but in the longer version, uh, near the beginning, Jesus' disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? <laughs> they started from the assumption that his blindness uh, was a punishment for someone's sins, either his or his parents. It's what the Hebrews believed at the time. God doled out bad things to people who sinned or didn't please God and, and rewarded those who were faithful and good. Now, hopefully, you can see the problem with that. Uh, but the people at the time, even Jesus' disciples, were blind to it. Jesus worked a miracle. He made mud from clay and his own spit and wiped it on the blind man's eyes. When the man washed it off, he could see. He'd been blind from, from birth, but he could see. He went home and his neighbors and others who had seen him begging every day didn't believe it was him. They were blind to the miracle that had happened. But the man insisted, it's me. I, I'm, I'm the guy you remember. So, so when they brought him to the Pharisees, some of them immediately condemned what had done or what had been done. Instead of seeing the miracle, they were blinded by their, their love of the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Instead of saying, wait, what? He cured blindness? They said, wait, what? He worked and didn't keep holy the Sabbath? 
Uh, to be fair, not all of the Pharisees thought that way. Some of them were said were, were a bit unsure. They asked, "How can a how can a sinner perform such signs?" Ah, so maybe they're not so blind after all. But then, when they asked the formerly blind fellow what he thought, he replied, "He's a prophet." Oops, blinders on again. <laughs> you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Like the disciples, they assumed that God had been punishing the man, so he's a sinner and not worthy of being listened to. They were blind. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man, and we read the exchange where the formerly blind man came to truly understand who Jesus was and worshipped him. He could now physically see, and he could also see very clearly spiritually. He and Jesus were really the only ones who weren't blind to something. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we all have our blind spots. The simple fact is that our beliefs and opinions and, and our culture and habits can keep us from seeing the truth. And when it just feels so natural, we're not even aware of the problem. So unless we take the time to examine some of our basic assumptions, to, to challenge certain things we treat as facts, we may never know the truth. Like the blind beggar, we need Jesus to help open our eyes because we don't see everything clearly and we all have our blind spots. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from 1 Samuel, the main message I came away with was, we can't see the heart of a person, but God can. In our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the main message I got was, no amount of secrecy or darkness can hide our deeds from the Lord. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, we all have our blind spots. Let me start by stating a simple truth. We tend to judge others by their words and actions, while we expect to be judged by our intent. In other words, we can't see the heart of another person, so we judge them based only on what we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears. And let's be honest, we rarely give them the benefit of the doubt. Ironically, we turn around and expect others to do the opposite for us. We expect them to, to judge us by what's in our heart, right? By, by what we meant and not what we ended up saying or doing. Now, of course, there really are people out there with bad intentions. And admittedly, our intentions aren't always wholesome either. But it's still up to God to do the judging. The Lord can see into our hearts, so nothing anyone does can hide those dark deeds from God. Besides, our judgment is clouded by too many things. We all have our blind spots, which is all the more reason to leave the judging to God. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I like to answer two questions. So what and now what? 
Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because God doesn't see things the way we do. God doesn't look at the outward trappings. God doesn't judge a person by the the visible standards of success established by our society or our world. So maybe we need to try to see things differently too. We should care about this because it seems to indicate that people who don't see things the way we do aren't necessarily wrong or bad. I mean, if that were the case, then wouldn't that make God wrong? Now, I've been known to be a little arrogant, but not to the level of I know better than God arrogant. These readings also indicate that we need to be careful not to confuse our beliefs and opinions with facts. Facts are things that can be proven to be true. While beliefs and opinions are generally things we accept to be true, whether they can be proven or not. Now, this gets tricky when we're dealing with religion and faith. Too many Catholics present their views, their beliefs, their faith as facts. Supported by scripture and writings from the early church and even catechism, the the catechism, but all of those, for the most part, are not provable facts. They rely on faith. They only have authority if we have faith in them, if we believe in that which cannot be seen or proven. I don't know about you, but I am not comfortable condemning someone else based upon facts that are really nothing more than my faith. That's a terrible blind spot. So how about we leave the judging to God? And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do, right? Where do we go from here? Well, we might not be able to heal our own blindness, uh, physical blindness, but we can certainly try to identify those places where perhaps we aren't seeing all that clearly. So with that in mind, here's your real conversation for the week. Where are your blind spots? Find someone you know and trust and have a conversation this week. But you have to be open to some uncomfortable feedback. We all have areas in our lives where we've come to conclusions and and basically stopped taking in new information. We're not open to other ideas or opinions in that area, which usually means we've developed a blind spot. Unfortunately, you can't see a blind spot, which is why it's called a blind spot. So you need the help of someone else. If you can identify an area where you've stopped taking in new information, then you can work to change it. But it all starts with having a conversation around the question, where are your blind spots? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about your blind spots and how to overcome them, remember what we read in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Like everything else in life, you don't have to do this alone. Your family and friends will help, and you can always turn to the Lord to help you find the way. 
All right. We've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.